Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the reboot of the Cycling Tips Nerd Alert podcast. I'm reboot. your host, James Wong. I'm Kaylee Fretz. I'm Zach Edwards. And I'm Dave Rowan. Dave Rome, I think I think most of our audience will know who you are, uh, but very briefly, tell us who you are, what you do, and then we'll intro Zach, who I think most of our audience will have no idea who Zach is. Sure, uh, I'm the I'm a tech editor at Cycling Tips, uh, working alongside James, and I am based in Sydney, Australia. Zach, who are you? I'm Zach. I'm here in Boulder, Colorado, and I'm a professional bike mechanic uh, that owns and runs my own shop, which is actually where we are right now. And what is this shop called, Zach? It is called Boulder Gruppetto. Shameless plug, because you let us record here. Correct. <laughs> and, and I did bring a container of Trader Joe's dark uh, dark chocolate-covered almonds. Which is very important. We wanted to pull Zach in. Zach's also a buddy of mine. Uh, we ride together all the time. And I know, because I ride with you all the time, that you are very opinionated. And I thought you would be great on a tech podcast because you work on super, super high-end bikes all the time well a range super high end all the way to sort of regular people bikes like the ones that i bring you you work on these bikes all the time and so you have a totally different perspective on bikes and parts and equipment and how things wear and how things fail and all this sort of stuff which is the exact reason why we wanted you on this podcast and my understanding is that zach has agreed to name names I think so. Yeah. Maybe. We're going to try to see how... We didn't tell you that, did we? How many friends can Zach lose over the course of this episode and future episodes? How many clients can he lose? (laughs) (laughs) He'll keep the clients. Yeah. One of the companies that sell the product. (laughs) So, uh, James, what are we talking about today on this first reboot of Nerd Alert? Well, um, I guess one additional little piece of info uh, is... Dave and I have actually worked together for quite a while because he and I both worked together at Bike Radar. And I have always known that Dave has a tendency to, uh, let's say, dive very, 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 very deep into chosen subjects. And at Cycling Tips, uh, those he's basically sort of landed on two main subjects at this point. Tools, which uh, Dave has a very unhealthy obsession with. And uh, now he somehow has an unhealthy obsession with drivetrain friction. <laughs> and um, so Dave has uh, published within the last couple of days a very comprehensive article on chain friction and efficiency. Uh, and longevity, I should say, and sort of the the interplay between those three things. And Dave, this last article that you just did was was done based on the data and testing by Adam Kieran of Zero Friction Cycling in Australia. And um, for those of you who have not taken the four and a half hours required to read this article, <laughs> um, Dave, can you kind of just run us run us through the the main findings of of Adam's study here? Yeah, sure. I hope my my ebook will be available on Audible soon. But in the meantime, <laughs> uh, some of the key findings are, um, yeah, I guess the the study was done on uh, testing durability. So Adam Kieran he has uh, an old Smart Trainer setup which is uh, motorized and it just runs at a consistent power output. And with that, he just spends countless hours just measuring chains and pouring a controlled grit and uh, and lube onto these chains and just seeing what happens after many, many, many hours of, uh, of wear. So, uh, yeah, so he previously had done um, chain lube testing uh, where he'd found a, a very close correlation between uh, efficient chain lubes that also improve durability, which kind of makes sense because 
if the chain lube isn't increasing your wattage, uh, it makes sense that um, you're not then grinding away at the metal, which is where your lost durability comes from. So the key finding with the chain, uh, the chains themselves is that that correlation doesn't exist and that you can have an efficient chain, which is durable. You can have a non-efficient chain, which is durable, or you can have a very efficient chain, which is not at all durable. Uh, and that was probably the most interesting uh, outcome of this test is that uh, your chain selection should probably be based on what your really uh, what your desires are. If you want absolute durability, then there's certain chains that are best at that. And if you want absolute speed for racing, then there are other options. I mean, that sort of flies in the face of every assumption that regular people would make about how this is all supposed to work. So did, did Adam offer up any explanation as to how those things can operate independently of one another. Yes, I mean, there's there's uh, a lot of, uh, I guess, secretive science on this, and a lot of brands aren't willing to share what they know in the space. Um, so I guess we have to take some external knowledge from the likes of uh, Jason Smith, formerly of uh, Friction Facts, and now uh, Chief Technology Officer at Ceramic Speed, and then obviously um, Adam himself. Uh, but yeah, a lot of it comes down to, uh, I guess, the tolerances. So for example, SRAM chains run very, very tight tolerances where the individual pieces, um, I guess, don't have a lot of space in between them. Uh, and that creates a lot of friction. Uh, but at the same time, those chains are incredibly durable. And on the flip side of that, something like a KMC chain uh, has, uh, I guess, more um, more gaps between the individual pieces, which creates a very efficient chain but uh in adam's testing he found that the the materials that they're using and the coatings they're using uh just don't really stand up to the to the grit that he was putting the chains through i mean i guess when it all comes down to it um you, know, you say that because all these things operate independently of one another that you know people really just need to figure out what they want out of a chain and then choose accordingly be it efficiency or longevity um what were the findings? So, assuming you know, for a road, let's say you have a modern eleven-speed or twelve-speed drivetrain, mm -hmm. what, what what should people buy? So, I mean, the the cool finding with this is that realistically, you're perfectly fine and safe, and it's probably actually quite a good choice to stick with the recommended chain of your drivetrain. So, if you're on tram, to stick with a high-end tram chain. If you're on Campagnolo, stick with a record chain, uh, and that makes it pretty easy. And that was really cool to see that all. You know, Shimano, Campagnolo, and SRAM are actually all doing incredibly good jobs with their chains. Uh, the reason why you'd sway away from those is if you want, say, on Shimano, you want improved durability, or uh, if you're on a SRAM drivetrain, you want increased speed. How much? How much are we talking here? Like, what? What is the difference between? Uh, from a speed perspective, a good chain, a bad chain, and from a durability perspective, a good chain and a bad chain. Yeah, so I mean, uh, so the speed uh, equation of that is kind of, the data we have comes from Ceramic Speed, who shared their previously secret data associated with um, their race day treated chains. So all chains are treated to the same um, submersion wax and the same pre treatment. And with that, they found that the Durace chain is actually, uh, Durace 11 speed is actually the quickest chain on the market. Uh, and the likes of YBN and KMC are not far behind. Uh, same with Campagnolo Record. Uh, and then on the flip side, the some of the SRAM chains uh, are actually slow enough that Ceramic Speed are choosing not to sell them. But what, what kind of numbers are we talking about here in terms of, I mean, I guess putting in terms of watts, because that seems to be what 
wattage. So, phrase that I mean, it's, it's still we're still talking marginal gains here. So, I mean, uh, a Durace chain, which is the fastest, is about is about in the three watts area, uh, adding into the drivetrain, and then uh, a SRAM chain at the opposite end gets closer to about six to seven watts. And then what kind of output are we talking about here? Yeah, you're about losing three to four. But the key thing to remember here is that those numbers are with uh, Ceramic Speed's UFO treatment, which is incredibly efficient. And you can bet that if you're using a normal chain loop, that those numbers are going to be uh, a little bit um, further apart. What, what, what was the power output that those were under? So, I mean, you know, is that 200 watts, 250 watts? It's, what was the... Yeah, 250 watts, 90 RPM. Um, and it's and that's also... Pro- it's, it's progressive. So, if, uh, you know, at 500 watts, it's not double. It's, it's more than that uh, in terms of the wattage. So, it's a real you know, the more me. power you put out, the more losses you will have. Just do 500 watts everywhere. Yeah. So if I'm putting out if I if I'm putting out five watts, and that basically means that I'm losing everything. <laughs> You're going backwards. I, I well, yeah. kind of like how I did the other day on on Flagstaff with the Neil versus JV throwdown thing. Because <laughs> yeah, you had a motor, so you I did have right a motor. There. I did have a motor, and I made liberal use of it. Yeah, yeah. but if you um, if you had a more efficient chain on your e-bike, just think about the extra battery you'd have. Well, I I didn't even have that option because it was belt drive. All right, there you go. Which is a subject for another nerd alert, perhaps. What does this all mean in terms of durability and longevity for these chains? So, like, what what was the, what were the biggest gaps between like you know the chains that were most durable and the ones that were least durable? I mean, how often would someone have to be replacing stuff like this for a good chain versus a bad one? Yeah, so it's there are some pretty big gaps here, uh, and it's it's not the easiest thing to uh, to cover, uh, and that's sort of why the article is is. Uh, nearing e- uh, uh, you know an ebook length is uh because there's quite a bit of confusion over what qualifies as chain wear and in this test so adam of zero friction cycling he actually checked for chain wear in two ways so he measured elongation wear which is the pure uh lengthening of the chain so if you can imagine measuring it from the outside of the chain from pin to pin uh, and and that, then he that's, also, that's essentially what most chain checkers will test, right? No, and then so he measured from roller to roller, which is what every chain checker on gotcha. the market does. So that was the subject of another article that Dave wrote, Kaylee. <laughs> this assumes that I read all of Dave's articles, which <laughs> would take my entire life, so I don't. Yeah, you, prob- you probably stopped at the first 4,000 words. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so. So yeah, so and what what he found in uh, in doing so, so measuring those two different ways, is that there were some massive discrepancies in uh, in how chains wear. So some of the most durable chains in terms of elongation wear, um, so again that pin to pin external length, uh, actually showed very rapid roller wear. Where if you put a chain checker tool in it, that show as extremely worn, but then if you put a ruler along the chain, it would show as not worn, uh, and that kind of confuses the subject a bit, but. Generally, the best chains were the ones that uh, aligned very closely between roller-based wear and then elongation wear, so that there's, you know, if you put a chain check uh, chain checking tool into it and it said it was worn, uh, then you can kind of trust that measurement. Uh, How many extra kilometers are you getting out of a more durable chain versus a less durable chain, though? Like, you know, the SRAM versus Shimano. Yeah, so SRAM and Shimano are, are kind of. Uh, getting comparable at their top end, especially in 12 speed, uh, for 11 speed, uh, you know, it's, it's as much as like 2000 kilometers. So SRAM was reaching, uh, close SRAM's top end chain was reaching close to 5,000 kilometers. 
Uh, and I guess the average for most 11-speed chains was closer to like 2,700 kilometers. Hmm. So that's significant. It is. And then, and then there's some outliers, which, you know, were, were sort of toasted within 1,000 or 1,500 kilometers uh, in that control testing. So, you know, in, in that sense, some of the best chains are doing three, four times the distance. Well, then I guess the other thing, too, is that for the chains that are wearing faster, then that also implies that that stretched out chain is wearing drivetrain components faster, too. Is that correct? Exactly. So... Uh, you know, it, regardless of whether you use the elongation wear or the roller-based wear, um, uh, a chain that is showing wear is going to no longer be sitting deep down into the, the cog or the tooth. Um, and basically, as that chain wears, it, it rides up higher and higher on that cog, wearing away at the outer edges of the cog, eventually skipping over the top. And, uh, and that's what happens when you let a chain wear too much. So all of this kind of assumes that you are free to use any roughly compatible compatible chain right if you're 11 speed you can use an 11 speed chain from pretty much any manufacturer zach i want to turn to you because you put these chains on all the time you set them up you get the shifting right you get feedback from customers do you find that uh if you run you know a shimano chain on a campanola drivetrain or a sram chain on a shimano drivetrain does do those not shift as well? Is that a, a, a sort of a tertiary concern here, or maybe even a primary concern before we're talking efficiency and durability? Or does the whole bike end up exploding? <laughs> it definitely doesn't explode. I'd say like eleven speed is a good example because it all is pretty much cross compatible. Like it will function. I think it doesn't seem like it always functions as well as it would. Um, like makes more noise, for example. Yeah, yeah. Like personally, this I everyone, not everyone, a lot of bike mechanics really like KMC chains for whatever reason. Hmm. This summer, I tried one on my road bike, which has Shimano. Immediately, it was much, much noisier than the Shimano chain. And it also, I would say, very marginally, but it didn't shift as well. Any other examples of sort of combinations that you found don't work or do work particularly well that you maybe didn't I mean, with, like, with Campy, I would, I would generally do all Campy. Just chains last forever, and it all works really well together. Mm. Um, but, I mean, I generally prefer to keep like companies with like companies. Mm. I think sometimes. So I was going to name names. <laughs> you can name names. Yeah. So like, please, please I do. Would say like, especially eleven speed stuff. If SRAM, one of the easiest ways to make it shift better is put Shimano chain cassette on it. Like, <laughs> like James here nodding his head in agreement. But <laughs> like, it is not not that the SRAM is bad, but like the Shimano is definitely smoother and quieter. On the other end of things, in terms of, you're talking about chain tools and wear and all of that. I would say I've seen on some of the newer SRAM stuff with the uh, Eagle and then the 12-speed access stuff that on both, like no matter what chain measuring device you're using, it'll show that it's not worn out, hmm. but it shifts poorly because there's enough play in everything. Because especially with the one by stuff, you're constantly cross-chaining essentially. Right. So like you could be having a shifting issue and you're like, check the hanger, put a new cable on, do all of this, everything that you would do. And then it still doesn't shift well. And then you put a brand new chain on, even though that one didn't measure worn out, then immediately your shifting is improved. So, Zach, I actually have an answer to that. Um, that's something, I guess, uh, we covered in uh, the lead up into the best chain article. We did uh, how to measure chains because there was all these discrepancies in, in it. Uh, so I wrote many, many words about chain wear. And uh, Adam Kieran basically found that... Um, SRAM Eagle chains don't have a standard size roller. So they actually have a roller that's about 0.1, 0.2 of a millimeter larger than pretty much every other 11 speed chain on the market. And because of that, 
all the chainware tools are sort of thrown off uh, by this larger roller. Um, and then obviously new SRAM, AXS, you know, the flat top 12 speed road chains, they, they advertise having a larger roller, which is why they're not compatible with anything else. Uh, it's about 0.2 of a millimeter larger. Um, and again, they technically don't work with any chainware tool either. Um, so that doesn't come surprising at all that basically every time you try to measure one, they show is not worn. Um, and the fact that you are seeing, you know, that lateral wear well before you're seeing any, uh, elongation based wear. Uh, and it, and it actually does line up with, uh, with Adam's testing. He, he found that he pretty much couldn't measure for wear in those, in those chains and that through his gritty test, he was actually wearing out the cassettes before he was wearing out the chains. Um, it's pretty impressive, but SRAM chains are proving to be a little difficult to know when to replace them. I was going to say, so is, is that, a, is that a, a, an issue with not having the right measurement tool to determine when they're worn? Or are they actually not wearing out? Like they're, they're actually outliving a cassette? Both, I mean, like- <laughs> unfortunately. So there's a couple of measurement tools on the market which in theory should do a more accurate job at measuring SRAM chains um, because they measure rollers in a different way. So Pedro's and Park Tool both make examples of this. Um, but also they're not perfect. And from what we've seen, yeah, it's it's kind of, there's no one really making a tool that measure these chains truly accurately. Um, but then on the flip side, at least with you know new 12 speed SRAM chains, they prove to be the most durable chain Adam tested. But also the slowest too, is that correct? Correct. So yeah, part of that that uh, extreme durability through you know tight tolerances and extremely hard materials and and special coatings came the fact that they're incredibly inefficient. Well, I mean, all of this is it, it, this is all really interesting stuff, especially if you want to just nerd out super heavy on drivetrain friction and durability and stuff. But I mean, we don't ride our bikes in a lab, and we don't typically run our our drivetrains on a modified motorized tax neo trainer i uh, usually do uh, true. Well, <laughs> yeah well that, that that's how i get my tron bike on, on zwift um but, um but i guess i want to shift this whole conversation into more of a practical realm because zach i mean you have a whole bunch of clients who bring a variety of stuff in in a wide range of conditions um I mean, I don't know how many people come in specifically asking you, like, yeah, hey, I want the most durable chain or I want the fastest chain. But I would imagine that a lot of people are coming in with, um, I would say, examples of things that they probably should be doing and shouldn't be doing. So, I mean, again, this all sounds well and good, and this is a realm of marginal gains where people can you know, get some better performance out of their stuff. But from a practical standpoint, Zach, what would you say are things that people should be doing first and foremost yeah i mean i would say it depends on what your real world is like if you're racing and you care about every watt then having doing the whole process of waxing your chain and doing all that to save every watt then for sure go that way but i would say most people just want at the end of the day to have a good ride experience which is generally like a quiet running bike that shifts well so the biggest thing there is i'd say replacing your chain regularly but also yeah washing and degreasing your bike and drivetrain when it gets nasty. Like I'd say, like I was saying to you just a bit ago, basically at the end of every one of these articles, no matter whether you've wrote it, Dave, or anyone has written it, at the end of every article about chains and friction and everything it says, but all of this, if you just wash your bike and keep the chain clean and lube it properly, then that's the best. Dave, you're fired. 
Zach just wrote your story much shorter. Weird. I did actually have that last line. I know you did. I mean, they all say it. I mean, it's... Which I think that's the biggest problem. Most people, they overlube their chain, and then it attracts all the grit and dirt, and then that's when it starts to wear things out. Well, since we're since we're sort of deep diving on chains today, Zach, tell us the proper way to do this. So let's start from lubing your chain. Let's say you have sort of a traditional but, kind of... What's, well, what do you want, James? Hold, hold on. I, I, I see where this is going. Yes. And, I, and Dave, I know you are just dying to jump in here. So we're going to get Zach's take on how you should clean and relube your chain first. And then we mm-hmm. are going to get Dave's very long-winded and precise answer. <laughs> how should be done. It'll, it'll probably line up closely with Zach's, but let's go. Uh, no, let's, let's say, um, you know, I've had my bike or I've had my, my, my whole new drivetrain for a month and I have now like, you know, lubed it and it's getting kind of gross. Yeah. What, what am I doing? What, I mean, what it's do, probably time for a bike wash after a month. Yeah. So I... You don't need anything fancy, just some dish soap, maybe some citrus degreaser. Dish soap's good for disc brakes, right? That's a no, no big deal there? Generally, yeah. yeah. Dawn, is, Dawn is my favorite. Dawn yeah. is good. I'd say the biggest thing for bike washing, like this is a sidestep, not necessarily trains, but basically for washing a bike, I would say don't use any bike company's wash kit. Like all the brushes are absolutely terrible. They're just plastic bristles and just kind of collect and smear the grease around rather than mm. actually clean it up. So I would just go to your local hardware store and get a wooden handled brush that has natural Tampico bristles. Mm. Grease washes out out of the brush right after you use it. Tampico. Yeah. Very fancy. Pro tip. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, clean the drivetrain with, say, some switches to greaser or whatever. What about the lubing process? You just said that that people put too much lube on. How, How much is too much lube? How should people be doing it? What's the process there? I mean, I generally just run the lube on the chain a couple rotations um let it sit and then wipe off any excess with a rag what's your favorite lube personally i like dumontech the light stuff it does a good job of lasting a long time and being quiet but not attracting too much grit very unpopular opinion i would say though from also personal experience it doesn't really matter just like whatever a lube is a lube as long as you're not using too much of it Hmm. unless you care about lots but i mean obviously don't go use like a super heavy, thick, wet lube and go ride in the desert. Like, that's not going to work out well. But for the most part, like, is there like a gap between putting the lube on and wiping it off? Do you like let it sit for a while or anything like that? I mean, I would at least probably let it dry, whether you're letting the air dry or take an air compressor and blow all the air out. But like hmm. you're generally, if you're washing the bike, you're probably going to be doing other things too. So by the time you like finish wiping everything down then then probably the chains find the lube. Dave? Yeah. So, I, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Like I'd, I'd agree with all that. Um, I'd say an air compressor is very, very handy if you have one in terms of drying off the chain before you, uh, before you lube it. Uh, but that also makes it a little less accessible to a lot of people. Um, but yeah, just making sure that that chain is actually dry before you, um, before you apply the lube. Um, is probably a, a, an important step. Um, the other one I'd, I'd just add is um, because I've written another five or six thousand words about chain loops. Um, <laughs> is is that uh, I'd change I'd change what you're doing based on whether you're going off road, say gravel or mountain bike, versus on road. Um, and there, I guess for off road, like a wax based style lube is probably best, something like squirt or smooth. Um, I know James, you you're quite a quite into the squirt stuff and then um that that the reason there is that it just it dries to the point where it doesn't attract further dirt 
and while it does build up that wax does build up it, it sort of stays on the chain better and it um, resists dirt actually getting into the chain um, where you definitely don't want it the wax sort of forms this barrier uh, on the road like a, an oil like Zach mentioned is is still the still the best choice um, the actual tests point to a, an American made lube called NFS being the best but um, but yeah I mean there's there's plenty of options out there and the key thing is just as Zach said, not overdoing it and uh, just keeping up on the maintenance. So as soon as it feels gritty or it looks dirty, it's it's probably time to uh, to clean and reapply. Dave, I, I feel like you've I feel like you're holding back a little bit here <laughs> <laughs> because because you just agreed with Zach's uh, recommendation to you know to kind of use some dish detergent and some natural brush uh, nat- natural fiber brushes for cleaning your chain and whatnot. I know this is not what you do at home <laughs> because I've talked to you about this. I've seen pictures of your workshop and you have written multiple articles about this and you have a lot more dedicated gear for dealing with this than I know that you're talking about right now. Let's talk about mm-hmm. your ultrasonic cleaner. My, my which? Let's talk about your ultrasonic. <laughs> let's talk about my your ultrasonic cleaner. Yeah. My ultrasonic cleaner is a lot like yours, James. It, it is like mine, but I usually, <laughs> I use mine pretty sparingly and I don't use it to, uh, I guess, you know, to, to strip it clean, a, a, a chain clean and make it super fast. I do it because I'm lazy. I do not own one. Yeah, I think an ultrasonic cleaner is great for doing the full wax thing. For like every regular person doing day-to-day bike maintenance, not very practical. Yeah, yeah so I, I'm actually of the opinion that like a, a chain dummy, which is the thing that replaces your rear wheel and holds the chain, lets you still pedal the chain around. Um, very handy tool. Uh, Zach's recommendation for a brush, very handy tool. Um, and that's probably going to be enough for most people. Um, and a hose and a degreaser that won't kill your grass, um, which comes back to citrus or dish soap. Um, I, that's not what I do. I do have dedicated tools. I have a industrial parts washer, which is the first stage. And then I have an ultrasonic cleaner, which is the second stage. And then I have jars of, uh, distilled alcohol, which is the last stage. Uh, and then the chain is ready for wax preparation, which I then do with a slow cooker. Uh, and then the chain is wonderful for a few hundred kilometers. And then from there on, you can just use boiling water to clean your chain and then back into the slow cooker. And Need I actually have like two to three chains rise. on rotation. So I only have to do that. We should, we should make it explicitly clear at this point that Dave does not have children. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, do you do that all the time? Do you do that every time? Only every Tuesday. Uh, no, I, I mean, I don't. I, I tend to only do that for my own road bike um, oh. and uh, e-bike as well, because then I can ride in long pants and not get grease all over it, because uh, the wax is completely um, clean to touch. Um, but uh, for my mountain bikes, I'm far, far lazier, and I just use a wax-based lube like Squirt and let it get really really dirty and then kind of just wipe it off and then reapply lube and let it get dirtier from there oh that's that sounds more along the lines of what i do dave trying to pretend he's a normal person over here yep yep trying to but you we we all know he's lying (laughs) (laughs) on that note i think we should end with well first of all for all of you who are still awake after listening to all that congratulations (laughs) congratulations you have made it through to this point um I, I actually just want to wrap up first by having all of us wrap up. Well, now we know what Dave does with his chains. Mm-hmm. Caleb, what do you do? Uh, yeah. So what I do is I put lube on 
<laughs> and then I wait for my chain to be about six months past worn, and then I go, God damn it, and then I have to go and replace so my chain and my cassette at the same time. That's actually a really interesting thing. So thoughts on... the tra- Traditionally, the ideal scenario is that you replace the chain regularly so you don't have to replace your cassette and chain rings all the time. What are your thoughts on just riding it all onto the ground for way more miles than you'd usually get out of a chain and then just replacing it all at once? A few thoughts. Um, I would say it's actually not that terrible of an idea if you're on cheaper components, like 105 level or like uh, SLX on a mountain bike, because uh, the replacement cost for like a cassette or chainring is actually not that bad. Um, and you can go pretty deep in terms of distance on that setup. Uh, where you're on really high-end stuff like Jurace or Record or, or newish like SRAM Eagle stuff, um, cassettes are so expensive that it kind of makes more economical sense to get the most you can out of those by um, changing chains at the right point before they cause wear. Uh, and as long as you use like a clean lube and you keep it well-maintained, you can you could probably get like three chains, three three to four chains out of a cassette, and and potentially even more out of chain rings. I go with I go with the kill everything model. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mostly because I I always forget to actually check the imminent death of the chain. Right, that, uh, that's more a consequence of being lazy. Yeah, it's more and just sort of generally inept. So yeah, so I would say there are performance <laughs> issues. Really like what it comes down to. So uh, like that's that's all on the assumption that you don't actually mind how it rides. Um, there are performance issues as well. So like changing your chain regularly means you get snappier shifting, um, better shifting, uh, no chance of actually having your chain skip on you while you're in a bunch sprint. Um, and then I guess on the other side is, uh, the efficiency side as well. So worn chains actually are less efficient than newer chains. Uh, and that you, you do get some degradation in terms of your drivetrain efficiency as things wear down. Yeah. So there you go. So if you uh, if you run cheaper drivetrain stuff, you can kind of kill it all at once and just run it till death as long as you don't mind probably a bit of janky shifting at the end. Uh, but if you run an, an expensive drivetrain with an expensive cassette and chain rings, replace the chain frequently. And I think as extra motivation for doing that, you should look at the drivetrain that you have right now. And then look at some of the actual replacement costs for some of their components that you have right now. <laughs> yep. And then I think that'll motivate your decision. Yep. I'm actually, I'm about, to, I'm going to buy a chain from Zach for uh, my wife Meg's bike before I leave today. Hmm, how about that? And then you're probably going to have to come back and replace the cassette because <laughs> like that chain's probably really old. Like Accurate. That. However, her bike is currently on a trainer. So for now, anyway, I can just buy a chain. <laughs> oh, how about that? Okay. But I put it on the trainer and she's like, it doesn't work right. And I was like, yeah, because the chain is dead. Chain's <laughs> been dead for like three months. So, all right, guys, time to wrap this up. James... We wanted to go through real quick, uh, basically takeaways from from today, right? So takeaways, if I am understanding correctly, um, there are uh, there are chains that are fast and chains that are long lasting, and those things don't necessarily go together. Uh, other takeaway is if you have a cheap drivetrain, uh, I'm, I'm going to put this on Dave. Dave Rome's official recommendation is to run it all into the ground and then replace it at once. It's not what I would do, <laughs> uh, but sure. Shake some sand in the chain. <laughs> yep, yep. Shake some sand in the, shake some sand into there. Um, Dave couldn't handle that. He just couldn't do it. He, his head yeah. would explode. It would explode. Yes. Uh, and then otherwise, try and keep your drivetrain clean and reasonably lubed, but not too lubed. 
and then wash your bike probably about once a month or so, and you'll you'll probably be good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Buy some natural fiber brushes. Clean bike is a happy bike. Clean bike is a happy bike. Okay. I have sad bikes. So do I. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, and then sort of final thing here, Dave, remind us. So for those who have not read Dave's piece, first of all, go read it. Set aside three, four mornings and, and then the next week. Read Dave's piece. And But for those who don't have that kind of time, Dave, tell us uh, if I want the fastest chain available, what do I want? And if I want the most durable chain available, what do I want? Let's assume that I'm running... 11 speed road stuff. All right. So fastest chain is Shimano Durace. Um, KMC, YBN, and Campagnolo are not far behind. Uh, most durable is uh, SRAM's Hard Chrome XX1 mountain bike chain, which is sort of optimized for one by drivetrain. So, uh, but on the road, uh, the best overall, most durable favorite chain um this recommendation comes from adam of zero friction cycling would be the uh top end ybn chain which has a very long name which i can't remember so you can get the model name in the article uh and also campagnolo record is an exceptionally good chain and failing all that there's nothing wrong with shimano altegra or shimano durace they actually did quite well there it is I'm going to just keep buying Altegra chains yeah. for literally every drivetrain that I have. <laughs> I <laughs> think that's pretty much what I'm going to be. Yeah, that's what I'm going to keep doing. So uh, before we before we sign off for today, uh, first of all, thanks for tuning in to the first ever Nerd Alert. Uh, the four of us here are going to be running these podcasts every other week, right? Every is that other we week, decided? that is correct. We're going to be taking deep dives. Sometimes it's going to be related to the topic that's on the regular Cycling Tips podcast, but deeper. Sometimes it will be something totally separate. Uh, we'll occasionally yeah. have guests. We will occasionally have guests. Obviously, you must subscribe to Nerd Alert specifically in, turn, in order to make sure that you get all of these episodes. That is very important. Uh, these will not generally show up in the regular Cycling Tips podcast feed although this first episode is going to end up in that feed just so we can put it in front of all the folks that are already subscribed so if you like what we've done here please give us a rating that is very important for people being able to find us on itunes you can give us a review if you want but only if it's nice we'll get into the controversial stuff later and then and then you can go ahead and tank us yeah if you work in the industry and we said something mean about you that's not a good enough reason to give us a bad rating on itunes right you can send those you can send those directly to dave yes All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will be back in two weeks' time. We need, uh, we need some sort of closing music, don't we? Uh, we'll come up with closing music. What's what's the official <laughs> snack of the tech podcast? Uh, we don't have one yet, Dave. Well, I ate a huge burrito right before we uh, started this episode. Mm. So I think huge burrito is the official snack yeah. of the of the Nerd Alert podcast. I feel, I feel like we need like a, a nerdy food, whatever that is. Snack, right, Zach? Who doesn't like a burrito? Exactly. Do you have burritos in, in Australia? They're hard to come by, but I, our local Mexican restaurant is in a service station. So, you know, there's that. Perfect. It's a chain. Yeah. It's actually so, not bad. It's not as bad as it sounds, but um, yeah, we, we go get petrol and Mexican. So ahead of next week's episode, pick up a burrito. We will do the same. And that'll be the official snack of the Nerd Alert podcast. Sweet. And with that, we're out of here. Thanks, Zach, for jumping on the show oh, yeah. and for letting us use your space here. I know we, we kind of pulled you away from the middle of a... What are you working on? You're, you're building up a factor time trial bike over there? Just making it race ready. Making it race ready. I, I saw you uh, filing a carbon fiber chain ring, so that oh, looks like fun. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the... Uh, 
the lovely things about running super, super high-end equipment, right? Yep. There's a lot of filing that goes on. A little bit of sandpaper to it. Yep. Carbon chainering so it fits <laughs> over the spider. It's fine. No big deal. <laughs> All right. Again, thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Adios. Bye. Bye. See ya. Bye.